Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. So friends, I'm coming to you after worship service um, because we had some technical difficulties today, but we do want to have a chance for you to hear this message because it is part of our giving series and we want to make sure that you hear the vision that God has laid on our hearts and and can be part of that vision as well. So as we're doing this series, we're going to be looking at the book of Jeremiah and what Jeremiah teaches us about giving and about investing in a home that we never leave. So today we're going to hear from Jeremiah 31 uh, verses 27 through 34. So hear now the word of the Lord. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant seeds in Israel and Judah, and both people and animals will spring up. Just as I watched over them to dig up and pull down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring harm, so I will watch over them to build and plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say, sour grapes eaten by parents leave a bitter taste in the mouths of their children, because everyone will die for their own sins. Whoever eats sour grapes will have a bitter taste in their own mouths. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant with me even though I was their husband, declares the Lord. No, this is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my instructions within them and engrave them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. They will no longer need to teach each other to say, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wrongdoing. And never again remember their sins. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts, our minds, and our eyes that we might see and know the word you have for us this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. When have you most felt like a disciple of Jesus? What breaks your heart? What makes your heart sing? What brings you joy? As I mentioned, this is our giving series, a new series that we're starting, and it's called The Home You Never Leave. And we're going to invite you to invest and invest deeply because this is, we are going to build the case for you that you never have to leave this place again. But if you're going to invest deeply in a home like that, you're going to want to know something about its foundation, right? You're going to want to know that its bones are strong. So what is our foundation? And how are our bones? When I first got here as your pastor, I had many people come up to me and ask me, what's your vision for our church? And I even preached about it. You may remember back in July. And what I said then was, it should never be my vision for our church. It should always be God's vision. And the thing about God's vision is God never means for one person to have control of that vision, for that one person to be the only one who has that vision. God means for it to be a vision for the entire community. And and so what God does is God may equip one to proclaim it, one to lead it. 
but instead puts pieces of that vision into the hearts of everyone that will make that vision come to be. I I will admit that my understanding of how God's vision works is shaped by this passage in Jeremiah. And since we are going to be looking at Jeremiah for the whole of this series, it will probably help to have a little bit of context about this book. Jeremiah was one of those prophets tapped to deliver bad news. Jeremiah was supposed to come to the king and to the people of Israel and announce that Babylon would be taking them over, that they would be scattered into the exile. And he didn't particularly want to deliver that message. In fact, when he delivered it the first time, the king said, I don't like that message. So Jeremiah said, okay, I'll tell you something else. Um, And they were all pleased with that. And then he went back to God and God said, that's not what I said. Go back and tell them the hard news. Tell them that they will be taken over. Tell them that they will be in exile. And so that is what Jeremiah had to deliver. But that was not the end of the vision. Because Jeremiah was also given the vision past the exile, past that conquest. He was also allowed to see beyond when the people would be returning home, when the exile would be over. And in that vision of hope, we are given these words in Jeremiah. This is what's called part of the book of consolation in Jeremiah, that these are consoling words, that this is not the end, that this, this trouble that is before them will not be the final part of their history, but they will return home. And when they do, God will have a vision for them. And God will make a new covenant. That is what is, that is, what is claimed in here. God will make a new covenant. And it's different than the covenant that they had when they were leaving Egypt. That was That was a covenant based on externals and material things. That was a covenant based on tablets and temples. And instead of relying on those things, God now is going to get very personal and come into the hearts of each one of the people and engrave on those hearts special meaning and purpose. Engrave on those parts pieces of the vision of who they are and what they are called to be, and what they are called to do. Now, it's important to understand what is meant by heart in Hebrew, because we tend to think of heart as solely this emotional space. And in Hebrew, it's a little bit broader than that. It's actually more in line with what we would call mind. Um, and so really, it's, there is some emotional component to it, But it's as much that intellectual and moral and ethical space where people are making decisions about the actions that they are going to take that takes place in the heart. That is how that was conceived in Hebrew. And so when when God says that God is writing on the hearts of people and that will remove sin, it is because it's removing those words of wrongdoing and wrongbeing and instead replacing them with words of right doing and right being. It's not really about this particular list of things of whether people should do it or not. It's about whether you are living into the passions that God has placed on your heart. God needs something from you. God has tapped you for a particular purpose and reality. And when you ignore that, when you disregard that, then that is what creates that space of sin. And then you're not meant to just live that purpose out alone, but to do it in community. Because when you do it in community, then you also get to do more and be more. You are even beyond what you could have been.
For these people at this time, they needed this because their identity had been completely disrupted. They did not know who they were. With the temple destroyed, being sent into exile, they had lost the sense of their identity. They needed, in effect, what was a theological gut check or an identity gut check. Who are they now? And as they return home, who will they be? My friends, we need exactly that same gut check. We have been scattered for two years now. We have been in the exile. We have been apart from one another. And it's time to come home now. But as we come home, we need to know who we are. And that was the purpose of those four questions. That was the purpose of those four questions that I opened this sermon with and that many of you recognize because you've been asked those four questions by me. Because what I was doing was trying to see what has God written on your heart. And I'll admit I had planned to reveal the results of those conversations, at least the results in mass of those conversations in the summer, because I'd hoped to talk to at least about 200 of you. And between myself and Pastor Andrea, we have talked to over 100 of you, but not quite hit that 200 goal. But the reason that I'm bringing it before you today anyway is because the, the answers were so consistent. I kept hearing the same things over and over and over again, and so I knew this is what God had written on our collective hearts. I knew that's what God wanted from us. And so I feel comfortable sharing it with you, but I also know that if I'm going to ask you to invest in a vision, if I'm going to ask you to invest in this home, you need to know who this home is. You need to know what foundations we stand on. So, after doing those conversations, there were four core values that just kept rising up to the surface over and over and over in those. And by far the dominant one was care for the vulnerable. And that's people in all kinds of vulnerable situations. That's people in poverty. That's people who are addicted. uh, That's people who are struggling with mental health issues. Um, But 72% of you mentioned something to do with people who are in vulnerable states of life. And of the 72% of you that mentioned care for the vulnerable, 57% of those people mentioned specifically children. And it was children in poverty. It was children who were abused. It was also children who, who can't reach their full potential for all kinds of reasons. You have a true heart for children, and you want to express that. And you want to do something about it. The second one is welcoming of all and stopping hate. And 55% of you mentioned something to that effect. Part of that comes out of the welcome statement that, you, that we put together in the last year. Um, but also, even beyond saying that we want to make sure everyone who comes in this door feels the love of Christ, feels, feels themselves as a beloved child of God. More than that, you are tired of all the hate in our society. You are tired of the ways that we treat one another. You're tired of the ways that we denigrate one another. You're tired. You're tired of the rhetoric. You're tired of the racism. You're tired of the division. And you want to be something else. You want to lead that out for our community and show that we can love one another even when we disagree. Then 27% of you mentioned travel, and we'll talk more in detail about travel in just a moment, but um, all you, you re- especially when I asked if there was anything that you could do, 
you often said you wanted to travel. And so God obviously wants us to get out of here. So we will talk about how we will do that in just a bit here. And then the fourth value is care for creation. And 24% of you mentioned something to do with care for creation. Um, and that's care for the earth, that's, that's uh, community gardens, all of those sorts of things. But very specifically within that 24%, 52% of you mentioned dogs. Uh, no, you know, one person mentioned cats. Forget the cats, basically. But 52% of you said, I, re- I really hate it when something bad happens to dogs or I want to just love on dogs. Um, and so that is very much a part of who we are. We are a dog-loving church. So those are our four values. And, and what I have challenged um, all of us to do, starting with the staff, is to think about the things that we already do and the things that we would love to do, fitting under those four core values. Because that's what God, God has laid on our hearts. So these are the things that we can do that will bear fruit, that will plant seeds, that will grow into healthy vines. And so um, I want to take each one of these core values and talk about some of the things that we're currently doing. I'm going to lift up a current thing and then an aspirational thing that we would love to do. So when we look at um, care for the vulnerable, I want to lift up our school partnerships. And uh, these are partnerships that we have tentatively begun to develop with Old High Middle School, with R.E. Baker, and with Gateway, the alternative learning high school here in town. Um, And I will tell you that our relationship with R.E. Baker and Gateway made a huge leap forward because both of those schools applied for a ministry innovation grant. Remember, we had those grant applications that you could turn in in January. And um, those schools both applied to fund projects. They've each been awarded $1,000. R.E. Baker has been awarded $1,000 for their counselor's closet, which will allow them to buy um, shoes and clothes and different other supplies so that when kids come to school inadequately dressed or when they have an accident, um, they don't have to be embarrassed. They can just be taken care of and loved on. Um, and you can learn more about that. This Thursday, we're going to have an interview with the counselors from R.E. Baker, as well as with some of our members of our congregation. Um, and they're going to talk about it this Thursday at 1030 um, Central Time on Facebook. I encourage you to go on and check that out. But this past Thursday, and you can see this if you go to our Facebook page. Well, you're on our Facebook page, unless you're watching this on YouTube. If you go to our, our Facebook page, um, then you, you can see in our thread that we have an interview with Gateway. Um, and you can see from that interview uh, the work that's being done there and the leadership development that we're going to do. And you'll see that we already have members of our congregation who have stepped forward to offer some leadership. We're going to share now a clip from that interview so you can see a little bit of the work that's happening. So I'm Josh Vest, the principal for our Gateway Alternative School here in Bentonville. Um, I also oversee the virtual school for grades 7 through 12. Uh, and Gate- Gateway is really a second chance. Um, it's, it's an opportunity for, for our students in Bentonville schools at the high schools to come learn in a smaller environment. Um, something that we, we constantly battle with is just the stigma with ALE. Um, there's a stigma that, I know, these programs are for um, the, the bad kids, if you will. Um, students are disruptive on campus, and that's really not the case at all. Um, we have students with who have disruptive behavior, just like any school does. That's not who we primarily serve. Um, Our students are here based on need. It's a second chance for them. Um, They apply to come here. And really the the main, I would say, commonality between our applicants and our students is going to be more mental health, um, you know, with with anxiety uh, and depression. And that's been heightened, of course, during the pandemic. Um, We've got a lot of great kids. We are excited about this program. Um, this, this grant will help us grow these students into leaders. 
Um, because with that stigma, um, you know, we want our students to work beyond that and our staff to help combat that. But we also want to make sure that these students perceive themselves as not just students who are going to graduate high school from Bentonville. That's that's our that's one priority. But we also want them to grow into productive citizens, both here at our school, um, have voice and input in how we run and set up this school, but also to carry those skills out into the community. And so your all support is going to be, you know, incredibly important in helping us achieve that. I'm Abby. I have been here at Gateway since my sophomore year, like the B, it was like the second semester. But since then, I've only had A's and B's. I've done excellent. Um, my reasoning for coming here was my poor grades due to a lot of stress and anxiety because of the environment I was in at BHS. But since I've been here in this smaller community where I feel like it's more of a family with people who actually care about you, um, it's just made me feel so good. And my confidence has went way up since being here for sure. Um, yeah, I, it's a great school. So I hope that clip uh, kind of whetted your appetite. And you can, like I said, you can find it here in the Facebook thread. But if you're on YouTube, you can also find links to it. So um, just look in the description below uh, and you'll be able to find those there. And I encourage you to get involved with our school partnerships um, because that is a way that we can step into the lives of children um, and, and level the playing field. And we can, we can do that kind of work. Then for aspirational, so many of you mentioned concerns around mental health care. Um, so we, we have already contacted the conference offices, and we hope to bring mental health first aid training here. And we want all the staff all the staff to go through it, but we also want to open it up to the community so that we can respond whenever there's a mental health emergency. Um, and then we also want to work with the folks at 200,000 More Reasons that not only are preparing some resources on being um, a mental health resource for our community, but are also, uh, they have a, a push for childhood literacy. So, um, so we'll tie into that as well, and that will work within our, our school partnerships too. Okay, when we look at our core value of welcoming all, um, currently one of the things that, that we're doing that's, that's providing greater accessibility and reaching more people is our online campus. You're going to get to see a lot about that next week, so I'm not going to go much into that. What I wanna, instead want to lift up is, is how we are intentional about making sure that different voices are heard, particularly in the worship space. Um, if you come into worship this month, for instance, we're really trying to emphasize the work of African-American lyricists and composers um, so that those voices are heard and celebrated and we, we lift our voices in, in concert with theirs. And of course, we are blessed every week with Pastor Andrea's voice and her perspective. Um, we want to make sure that that continues to be part of who we are. Um, but then if we want to talk aspirationally, this just happened this week. I, I was contacted by the development officer at Wesley College in Tanzania, and we were talking about ways that we might be able to be in relationship with one another. And he said, we're developing Bible studies from a Tanzanian perspective, and we're sharing those with, with churches, um, and it's all digital resources. And I said, can we take those digital resources and house them in the digital resources that we're developing for our Sunday school classes and small groups and anyone that wants to gather together and do a study to be able to use? You could study the Bible from a Tanzanian perspective. Perspective, And again, that opens up our understanding and creates a space where, where we can really work to listening to each other and being changed by one another and growing um, and being more open to other perspectives. And we're going to share some of our resources back with them. So it will be, in many ways, a perspective exchange, um, and I'm very excited about that. 
When it comes to travel, first of all, uh, this was one of the answers that when people would say it, they would do it almost guiltily, right? Like they would say, well, if you, if you really asked me what I, if I could do anything what I'd want to do, I'd want to travel, but that seems so selfish. Well, I want to say, my friends, travel is never selfish. I was a study abroad advisor for five years, and I watched lives be transformed over and over and over through that experience. And the same thing happens even with short-term travel because you are changed. You, you see different ways of doing things. You learn how to innovate. You become more open to new perspectives. You come back with more information, and you can share that with others. You can increase education. Travel is only selfish if you keep it to yourself. Um, otherwise... It shapes you into a person that, that, that can bring more of the world to our community. And so don't ever think that travel is selfish. I really want to lift up our youth department who is continually trying to keep to travel, um, even though it's been disrupted and disrupted and disrupted. But for our current plans, I want to lift up a plan we have for this summer. In August, we're going to take a junior and senior high confirmation trip. We always have kids who fell through the confirmation cracks. Either they joined us after they had been confirmation age or for whatever reason, when they were in fifth and sixth grade, confirmation schedules didn't work, something to that effect. So there's always a few. um, And we're going to take that group of of kids and we're going to do a one-week trip in August. Uh, We're going to go down to the conference offices and learn more about our connectional structure and our polity. We're going to go to Texarkana. Um, The reason that we're stopping in Texarkana is to learn a little bit more about Methodist history. I don't know if you knew this, but it used to be illegal to take Methodism into Texas. So it was Arkansas Methodists who snuck Methodism into Texas. Um, We smuggled that in. Thank you very much. That's all on us. And now Texas is the big stronghold for Methodism. And we did that. We did that. So we're going to celebrate some of that history in Texarkana. Uh, Then we're going to go into Dallas, and they're going to have a chance to see some of the resources at the SMU library, be able to see some of Wesley's letters. Um, But also in the Dallas area, they'll get to see different ways of doing church and understanding how all of those expressions are part of Methodism. And we're going to go to Six Flags. And then we're going to come back up to Fort Smith. And in the Fort Smith area, we're going to do some mission work related to some of the camps there. So they'll really get to experience confirmation on the ground. Um, And then aspirationally, whenever I would ask the question, you know, um, when people would say that they wanted to travel, I would follow up with that with, um, where would you most like to travel? Now, I don't know if it was because they were talking to their pastor, uh, but the most popular answer was the Holy Land. So... Once God's laid something on our hearts, I don't like to wait around. Um, The only reason I'm calling this aspirational is that I don't have the brochure to actually hand to you, and I don't have deposits in hand just yet, but we are planning a Holy Land trip for January of 2023. You may wonder about January, why pick that, because it's so close to the holidays. Well, I'll tell you that January is um, a great time to be in the Holy Land because of the weather. It's also a great time because it's not a high peak travel time, so we are able to see more, Um, and it is also less expensive for those reasons as well. So, uh, so please make plans. If you want to go to the Holy Land, you've told me you want to go to the Holy Land. Let's do it. Let's put our money where our mouth is and let's go to the Holy Land. Um, and then when it comes for care of all of creation, I got to share with you that I did get my favorite answer of all the answers that I've gotten. Um, and it was when I asked the question, um, if you could do anything, what would you do? And it was one of our middle schoolers who said, if I could do anything, I would move the position of the earth to correct the troubles with climate. Um, Y'all, that's the kind of thinking I need. I need big thinking like that, right? I said there are no limitations. He took me at my word, no limitations. Um, And so that reflects some of the passion that he had and some of the passion that so many of you expressed 
um, that you want to do something for our earth, that you recognize we need to keep this in balance um, as part of creation. Um, we, we, are, we are aligned with one another, and we need to respect that, and we've been called to that kind of care as God's children. Um, so we have a relationship with Havenwood. Our children's ministry is already at work figuring out how to do cleaning and preparation of their, of their beds for their community garden. So that's in works right now. That will probably happen in the next month or so. And then aspirationally, I want us to, we were talking about looking into becoming a therapy dog church as a, as a place where therapy dogs can be trained, but then also where therapy dogs can periodically be available on Sunday mornings or, you know, like at vacation Bible school if a kid gets a little stressed and they need some time to kind of check out. Out and just spend with the therapy dog. We'll have that available. But you all are a dog church. There's no reason why we shouldn't lean into that and and acknowledge that and and celebrate that and work in those ways. We are coming back from the exile, and I hope that you have seen this as your theological, as your identity gut check as a church. I hope that you have seen something of yourself in these answers, but if you haven't, if you've heard these four core values and thought those are really not my priorities, you are still welcome here because our second priority is the welcoming of all and we need your voice and we need your presence. And it's possible if you come have the four questions conversation with me, which if you haven't, I encourage you to do. Um, It's possible that what I'll do is connect you with some other people that do have something in common with you that that have that have a matching passion and you can do work together in that sense so you're always welcome here but certainly if you did see yourself in these core values and you aren't part of our community yet come on home (laughs) this is where you need to be we need you to be part of this vision as well we need to pour you to pour your passion into this um, and help us do this kind of work and if you are part of this congregation already then game on It is time to move. Now that we know who we are, now that we are coming back from the exile, now that we are this people, this people who have these engravings on our heart, it's time to do this work. So, my friends, it's time to come back from the exile. It's time to come back. And to be the people that God is calling us to be. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.